0: Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study.
1: Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus, worthy to be praised. I worship you.
0: Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10-17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hey everybody, my name's
2: Andy Baylog. And I'm Jordan Pine. Welcome to another on-air Bible study. We only have 20 minutes, so let's get right to it. Today, we're going to take a fresh look at the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount. These are nine statements, all beginning with the word blessed, that Jesus made during the beginning of the sermon. Pastors and Bible teachers have tended to look
3: at these statements as a loose collection of aphorisms or wise sayings. But the founder of our ministry, Pastor Gary Whipple, went deeper and taught they are related
2: and sequential. A ladder of maturing faith. Let's consider the Beatitudes again carefully as we listen to the Word of God.
1: A reading from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That was Matthew 5 verses 3 through 11.
2: As always, we begin with the SPACE method. That's our tool for preparing our minds to interpret Scripture correctly. SPACE is an acronym that stands for Speaker, Audience, Context, and Explanation. Hence, S-P-A-C-E. So, let's use the SPACE acronym on today's passage. First off, the speaker. The speaker here is God the Son, which is Jesus Christ. And we emphasize God the Son to help you remember that Jesus is not just a prophet and a wise rabbi or teacher, but he is God incarnate.
3: The Gospel of John begins, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And of course, the Word is Jesus. Continuing in verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And these proofs of Jesus' deity continue throughout the entire Gospel.
2: I'm going to add John 5.18 to the mix of of verses here, and it reads, For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And also John 14.7 reads, If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on you know him and have seen him. And then also in verse 9, Jesus reiterates, He who has seen me has seen the Father, and so on. So, of course, it comes down to faith. And if you believe the Bible, and you should realize then that the speaker in today's scripture is actually God himself.
3: As for the audience, it's the crowds or multitudes in one sense, but it's really the disciples. In Matthew 5, 1-2, we read, When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, This is important because it means the teachings are on two levels, the basic level for the crowds, representing those with human ears,
2: and the higher level for the disciples, representing those with spiritual ears. This is also the context that we must keep in mind. The entire Sermon on the Mount is really a teaching for disciples or mature Christians.
3: Yeah, great point, Andy. Now that we've reviewed the speaker, audience, and context of our scripture reading, we're ready to attempt an explanation. We said this is a teaching for the mature, but a teaching about what? That's the question. While well, the text gives us a little bit of a clue, let's notice a few of the key phrases. Verse 3, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 5, for they shall inherit the earth. Verse 9, for they shall be called sons of God. Verse 10,
2: for theirs is the kingdom of heaven again. And verse 12, your reward in heaven is great. Yeah, Jordan, this is the first key to understand regarding the Beatitudes on a deeper level. Just notice that all of the language is about the kingdom. And we see adoption, such as, you know, the words being used, they shall be called sons of God. Right. We see inheritance, and the words used there are, theirs is the kingdom, and they shall inherit the earth. We see reward, where it says, your, your reward in heaven is great.
3: Yeah, the keen listener will also notice the conditional language and the necessity of works here. We must be gentle to inherit the earth, verse 5. We must be merciful to receive mercy, verse 7. We must be pure in heart to see God, verse 8. We must be peacemakers to be called sons of God, verse 9. And those who perform the work of enduring persecution inherit the kingdom, in verse 10, and receive a great
2: reward, verse 12. Yeah, so in other words, Jordan, this teaching is not about salvation from hell, which is the gift of God and not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. And we see that in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9. Now, this teaching is about salvation into the kingdom, qualification, which is the prize of God, and it requires self-control in all things, and a disciplining of the body, as the Apostle Paul taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 9.
3: Yeah, great point. And for further proof of this, keep two things in mind. First of all, Jesus was talking to the nation of Israel before his death on the cross here meaning they were still under the law, which is essentially a doctrine of works. And secondly, his message was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, meaning that if the nation had turned back from their sin and accepted Jesus Christ as their Messiah, his kingdom would have started right there and then. In other words, to summarize, no matter how you approach these beatitudes, they have nothing to do with salvation from
2: hell. Yeah, Jordan. I mean, here's a common question that people might have. So, how should we approach the Beatitudes? How should we understand them? Well, let's look at a few points. First, what is a Beatitude? It is a strange word. The Gospels were originally written in Greek, but they were codified by the Roman Catholic Church, which spoke and wrote in Latin. Now, the word blessed, that begins each verse in our reading today, is the word Beatitudo in the Latin Bible, which became Beatitude in early forms of English. And secondly, Pastor Whipple taught that the order of the Beatitudes is significant and that they form a ladder, if you will, of spiritual maturity. Let's break it down. Verse
3: 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So this is the first realization of a newborn believer. At this first rung of spiritual development, you are, quote, emptied of self-importance, self-righteousness, and self-assurance, end quote, as Pastor Whipple put it. He also said, to be poor in spirit is to realize that one has nothing and has need of all things. With this awakening, one can see that his own best efforts are totally unacceptable to God,
2: and he needs to let Christ reign in his life. Good, Jordan. So let's move on to verse 4. And that reads, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So a few points again. The milk interpretation of this aphorism is that God will comfort those who mourn the death of loved ones. And that's true, and it's beautiful and comforting, but it's not consistent with what is here in this particular verse. For one thing, the word mourn is in the present continuous Greek tense here. It describes an ongoing process. So for another, the Beatitudes are about the spiritual. It's not, a, not the literal. So we got to look at it from spiritual view. So it follows that, that this is a spiritual type of mourning. As the second rung in the ladder of spiritual maturity, again, as Pastor Whipple had, had mentioned, it means having sorrow over your constant battle with sin, your own judgment upon yourself. And Pastor Whipple said, we will spiritually mourn if we are spiritually growing. It's only natural. I guess you could say that mourning is kind of like us mourning the death of the flesh, because as we grow spiritually, the flesh slowly dies, but the spirit is growing and it's maturing. Hmm. This mourning springs from a sensitive conscience and a heartbrokenness over our rebellion against God.
3: Good points. Verse 5 says, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. You know, more commonly we hear, blessed are the meek. And meekness embodies many great spiritual attributes, including gentleness, lowliness, and the controlling of one's anger. It's the opposite of wrath, which is one of the seven deadly sins, right? Um, You know, we see in James 1.20, For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls, meaning your psyche, your mind, sanctify your mind, in other words. So unless a Christian can learn this lesson and grow to this level of maturity, this next rung on the ladder, he or she cannot inherit the earth, according to Jesus' saying, which
2: means really the millennial earth, Andy, the earth during the thousand years of the kingdom. Yeah, no, I agree, Jordan, for sure. So now let's look at verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You know, we receive what Pastor Whipple called imparted righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ when we were saved, the day that we accepted Jesus Christ as the one who died for our sins, who paid for our sins. However, we must continue to hunger and thirst for it. So, you know, that's where we get the idea of being hungry for the Word, continually staying hungry for the Word. It's also the other side of the, quote-unquote, faithful and wise servant that Jesus mentions later in Matthew, the one who gives his household meat in due season. Keep in mind, the members of the household must be mature enough to hunger for it. Right. Well, the good news, though, is that if you hunger today, like we hope you do as we hunger, and we know that many of you listening do that because you're listening to these lessons, studying with us, Jesus says that you will be satisfied.
3: Amen. Verse 7 Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. This is the first one of the Beatitudes that speaks of conduct and not character. It's also conditional in a way we have seen in many other parts of the Bible. For example, in a related teaching later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Do not judge so that you will not be judged, for in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured
2: to you. That's Matthew 7, 1 through 2. Okay, so moving on to verse 8, it reads, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Purity of heart just speaks of a sincere desire and resolve not to sin against God. And this is his quote according to Pastor Whipple. In other words, you know, just to break it down, it involves righteousness and self-discipline at a very high level.
3: Yeah, that word self-discipline is key. Uh, Verse 9, moving on. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Here's another verse that speaks of conduct, not character. It involves a good work, making peace, and the spiritually mature believers that do it reach this higher level of adoption known as sons of God. That's a key phrase. It, you know, it may seem wrong at first to say that God's children are not all equal. We seem to have this equality, egalitarian aspect of Christianity. And, you know, and to say that God's children are not all equal and that in order to achieve higher levels of sonship and inheritance, you must do good works, it, it kind of sounds uh, maybe unorthodox to some people who grew up in uh, traditional mainline Christian churches. But listen to what the Apostle Paul says in his letter to the Roman Church, Romans eight twelve to 17. So then, brethren—brethren means people who are already saved, keep that in mind—we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if, conditional, you are living according to the flesh, that is, doing bad works, you are going to die. And die here means lose your life in the age to come. But if, again conditional, by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, in other words, doing good works— you will live. And that, again, is a spiritual life, gaining life in the age to come. And
2: that's the millennial
3: age to come. The millennial age, right. We've gone to deeper studies about living and dying and, and and how Jesus used those words, not literally,
2: obviously, but spiritually, speaking of kingdom or age life,
3: everlasting age life.
2: Yeah, and in case we have some new listeners, just so they could understand, not every Christian is going to be allowed to come back to serve Jesus Christ during the millennium. So those who... And believe it or not, Scripture teaches us in typology in the Old Testament of when we're looking at Israel entering into the promised land, you know, it was only a small group of people that was allowed to enter in. Not that they weren't all saved when they were back in Egypt because they were saved from Pharaoh, but it's something that has to be earned. It was something that they had to strive for, and many of them who had too little faith to enter in to make that effort to go into the promised land with Moses were kept out. And in a sense, what God is trying to teach us here, it's a spiritual death, it's a Heartbreakingness, mm-hmm. um, and it's also kind of a, a a binding of the hands and the feet, not being able to serve Jesus Christ.
3: Yeah, and you know, if you're new to this, it's going to sound very weird and controversial. It, it is a much longer study, but if you doubt what we're saying is true, we encourage you to go to Romans eight twelve to seventeen and read it any other way. Try to read it as physical life; it won't work. Try to read it as loss of salvation. Now you're in conflict with the doctrine of assurance right. and many other scriptures. So it has to be about some other kind of life and death,
2: and just take our word for it that's that's referring to a kingdom age life and death. I agree with you I mean unfortunately, most I mean ask yourself when's the last time you went to church and you actually had a pastor preach about Romans eight twelve to seventeen right um you know unless they take it out of context, you know being able to to dive into those words and explain it to the congregation would be difficult if you didn't know the difference between you know losing losing your salvation for everlasting life into the kingdom or just, you know. So people kind of, if you oh, understand, yeah. people kind of, they, they make a mistake of they're trying to overlap rewards as being, you know, losing your salvation going now.
3: The point we wanted to see here is coming up, and that's um, that's later on here in Romans Romans 8. It says, for all those who are being led by the Spirit of God, which implies, of course, that some are not. And again, these are all saved people because he started off by calling them brethren, brothers in Christ. So he says, for all those who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Note, Note that key phrase. For you have not received the spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies within our spirit that we are children of god one and if children heirs also that's second level heirs of god and fellow heirs with christ the highest level right if again conditional indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him so right there in those verses you see um, these different levels and non-egalitarianism within um, christians because again he calls them brethren and you know notice how many ifs there are in that passage We are not guaranteed equality. We are not automatically sons or heirs or co-heirs with Christ. There's this sense of needing to earn that. And then, you know, but finally, I do want to mention again and reiterate that we are all children of God in the sense that we're all saved and that we're not going to hell no matter what. Exactly. Um, But those higher levels, they must be earned.
2: Yeah, amen to that. Great points, Jordan. Moving on to verse 10. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I love this particular verse. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are very familiar with this verse as well. But note the symmetry with verse 3, which reads, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This tells us unequivocally what the Beatitudes have been about. It's about the kingdom. This final rung on the proverbial ladder, as Pastor Whipple mentioned earlier, is to achieve a level of outspoken righteousness where you are persecuted for it. Now, Pastor Whipple said that according to the scriptures, we have the choice of suffering with Jesus here on earth and then gaining life there in the kingdom or denying him, Jesus Christ, here while we're living and then losing our life there during the millennial kingdom. Sounds a little confusing, but if you think about it, now that you have a better understanding of the difference between salvation of the spirit and salvation of the soul, it makes perfect sense. It fits. Now, speaking to his protege, Timothy, the apostle Paul promised in 2 Timothy 3.12, it reads, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I mean, it's just, a, it's a given, you know, it's part of the the progress of maturing and developing as a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, there's going to be tough days, there's going to be times that God is aware that curveballs are coming our way. So, you know, we just have to kind of toughen up and and do what we have to do and stay strong in the Word, stay strong in prayer, so that we overcome, you know, any type of tribulations that we see.
3: Yeah, I think we overinterpret that word persecution, and we assume that if we're not in a country that's uh, anti-Christian and putting us in jail, or you know, in, in the olden days, of course, they were sawed in half and fed the lions. We tend to think if we're not suffering that level of persecution, that maybe we're missing out on something. It can be, it can be easy to overinterpret the word persecution, but really, it's what you said earlier: if you're committed and outspoken in your faith and not afraid, don't hide your light under a bushel. You're you're going to have attacks from the enemy. And that's going to cause persecution in your life. Even if you're not, you know, if you don't lose your family, lose your home, get thrown in jail, there is still persecution. In, in America, we see intellectual persecution, social media persecution. It's going to happen at some point if you're not afraid
2: to speak the truth. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, Paul actually kind of touches on that subject a little bit. You know, he mentions in Scripture and in New Testament that God will only give you as much as you could handle. Right. Obviously, if there's people that are being persecuted in China for their faith, God had that planned out already, and He knew what they would do. Right. Whereas, you know what? If I'm being persecuted by my parents, or you know, by my wife, because you know I found this this new love for Jesus Christ and this intimacy that I'm searching for, and um, I'm starting to live my life according to Scripture and abide with Jesus Christ, then you, you're going to get attacked. So everybody's level of attack or persecution is going to be different, but at the end of the day, it's still persecution.
3: And finally, we have verses eleven and twelve, which read. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So verse 11 is the ninth verse beginning with the word blessed, but most theologians say there are eight beatitudes and not nine. That's because verse 11 seems to go with verse 10. You know, verse 10, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you, or is that persecute word again, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. However, notice there's also a shift in voice. Blessed are those becomes blessed are you. And and that's because Jesus Christ is speaking directly to his disciples
2: for the first time here. Yeah, Jordan, by extension, he's speaking directly to anyone at the highest rung or highest maturity level of Christianity, especially those who will take on the challenge that the prophets took on. And remember, God always promises insult and persecution, but also a special great reward. Amen. And that's our lesson,
3: which means we have just a few minutes left to tell you that you can get a 20 minute Bible study anytime you like by visiting our website. We archive all lessons and make them available for free at 20minutebiblestudies.org. You can listen online download for later, and even subscribe to a podcast version and have new lessons automatically
2: delivered to your favorite smart device. Even more important, our website is the place where you can join in on our Bible studies by sharing your comments and asking any questions you might have. We have a growing social media community and a discussion forum, and we welcome your questions and comments. While you're on the site, you should also sign up for email alerts so we can let you know
3: when new lessons have been added. And when you sign up, our first email back to you We'll include a link to a special series that we put together, titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. It's an eye-opening set of Bible lessons, and it's our little thank you for
2: joining our online community. It's all on the web at 20MinuteBibleStudies.org, or if you don't want to type so much, 20MBS.org. That's the number 20, and then the letters MBS, followed by .org.
3: While you're there, please also consider donating in support of our mission to reach as many spiritually hungry Christians as we can. We know so many Christians today are struggling to make time to study God's Word and are feeling guilty they are often unable to do
2: that. We all know studying the Word of God is vital to our spiritual growth, yet it can be so hard sometimes to find a good study group and then attend that group on a regular basis. That's why we created 20-Minute Bible Studies. Everyone can find 20 Minutes for God, and now with this audio program, that's all Christians will need. They can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. We welcome
3: anyone who'd like to participate in this great ministry and receive the special blessings that come from helping to feed God's people Meet in due season. God has blessed this mission financially to the point where all of our ministry's expenses are already taken care of. That means every single cent that you contribute will go directly toward broadcasting more lessons like the one you heard today. And since our ministry is an official nonprofit registered with the government, your donation is also fully tax-deductible.
2: To contribute, visit 20MBS.org and click Donate.
3: And finally, if you like what you heard today and want to go deeper into God's Word, we strongly recommend you visit our archive of Bible lessons going back to 2013. Before we launch 20-Minute Bible Studies, we broadcast 127 episodes
2: of another show called Mysteries of the Kingdom. Yeah, you'll definitely want to check out the in-depth,
0: multi-part studies we did on that show. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple, to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture reading. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly.
1: of the Kingdom Incorporated.